0: Well, once again, um, welcome to all of you who are listening here in the room and also welcome to all of those who are listening online whenever and wherever that might be. Um, Earlier in this summer, my family and I had a chance to take a few days to relax and to go up north and we went up there with uh, the immediate family and then also some extended family. And whenever you go up north there's always something that you have to do which is to have at least one bonfire. Some of you have bonfires every night you go up north, but the, the bonfire up north is a, an important thing, right? So we had a bonfire one of the nights, and we also had a Bluetooth speaker out that, as we were talking, as we were laughing, we played some music um, along the, or through the Bluetooth speaker. And after a while, the DJ, namely me, was getting a little bit tired of figuring out what song to play next, so we decided to kind of go around the camp fire, and everyone was able to pick their favorite song to play, within reason, but to play on the speaker as we continued our, our time together there. Now, I don't remember hardly any of the songs that were chosen. I do remember my little niece picked one of the new songs on the new Aladdin soundtrack. But beyond that, I don't remember any of the songs. But what I do remember is what I was thinking. What I was thinking was this. This, people picking out their favorite songs and listening to them, would never have been able to happen when I was a kid. Now, sidebar, when you begin thinking when I was a kid, and then when you even begin saying when I was a kid, it is a good signal that you are getting old. So I am being honest. I am getting old. But... What I mean by that is there is no way that we would have ever been able to play any song we want around the campfire or anywhere else just by the touch of a device. The only way you could play songs is if you bought the cassette or CD or listened to the radio. All you young people, listen here. Life was hard back in the day, okay? (laughs) You see, when I was a kid and you wanted to listen to a song repeatedly, you either had to go to Best Buy and buy the CD or the cassette, or here's what I did. You listen to the radio, okay? And then, remember this? You'd get a blank cassette and a boombox. You can ask your parents what that is later. And when the DJ said you know, the next song is playing and it's the one you wanted, wherever you were, you would scramble, you'd run to the boombox because you had to hit play and record at the same time and you just hoped you got the whole song and that the guy on the radio didn't talk too much, you know, in order to mess it up. And now you had the song you wanted. Now, let me say this. It was a lot of work. When I was a kid, we had to work for the music that we wanted to listen to. Now, you got a computer in your pocket, you just type in the name, or even if you don't know the name, if you can get one line or even a few words, Google will find it for you. And you can listen to what you want, whenever you want it. And this isn't just true with music. It's true with recipes, and we don't need grandma's recipe book anymore. That might be false doctrine right there. We probably still do because she made a a mighty good cheesy potatoes, you know. But you don't technically need it. Uh, We don't need owner's manuals for appliances. You just go online. You don't even need to go grocery shopping anymore. Just pick it all online and they'll even deliver it to you. And when it comes to this culture in which we get Many of us, and this is a little bit of an overstatement, of course, but whatever we want, whenever we want it, there's some good things about that. It's kind of cool to be able to listen to whatever song you want. But there's also an effect that is had through it. Uh, An op-ed writer for the New York Times named David Brooks, several years ago, he wrote an article about how, as he observes culture in America and maybe now across the world, but especially in America, this culture in which um, we get whatever we want, whatever we want at a touch of a finger, he said that we needed to be aware of a type of culture that is sort of springing up, and he called it the arena culture. Now, let me explain what that means. If you went to an arena to watch a circus, or a stadium to watch a sports game, or to a theater to watch a movie or a play. We come as spectators and we expect to be served, we expect to be entertained, we expect to be catered to when you go to the arena or the stadium or the theater. What David Price is saying is that in many ways, that's the type of ingrained thinking that many of us are having, that this culture is having about all of life. That when we want something, we get something. And that if we're not catered to enough, Well, then we'll just go on and find something else. And then on top of that, what happens is that we, as a culture, become spectators sitting in the arena instead of actually going out and doing life. That we create relationships that are fake online, in some ways fake, instead of actually going to do relationships with people. That we think about or watch something when it comes to an experience instead of actually getting out there and doing it. This arena culture that David Price brings up, I would propose to you, is also something that's sneaking into the church. Now, in some ways, it's always been kind of a part of church. The tendency for people to look at the church and come to be served or catered to instead of getting involved and being in the game. And yet I think In this arena culture that we're living in, using David Price's words, it's becoming more and more of a temptation, whether it be in church or in other areas of life as well. And as we begin a new building and a new era here at North Cross, it's something that we as a church really want to fight against. We want to fight against the arena culture in Christians. Now, if you're someone who's brand new to North Cross, at this point, this doesn't apply to you. If you're new to Christianity, if you're new to the Bible, if you're new to Jesus, there is a time frame where you need to sit and observe. The disciples said, come and see, and what happened? People came, and they observed, and they listened. But at a certain point, for Christians, the time of just sitting in the arena needs to be change to actually getting on to the court or the field or the floor. And so here's one of our goals. Our goal at North Cross, we're building North Cross, our goal is to grow participants at North Cross, not spectators. To grow grow people who get on the field, not people who are just being, quote-unquote, entertained. Now... I told you before, today is a day where we're looking for volunteers. And so you might think that, you know, this is just Ben's, you know, way of thinking to get more people to sign up. No. This is exactly what God planned for the church. What you're doing right now, sitting and being served, this is an important part of church. This is something I hope and pray those who connect at North Cross do regularly, even weekly, God willing. That'll never change. But this was never intended, right? What you're doing right now, me talking, you listening, was never intended to be the sum total of what it means to be a part of church. And so our goal is to grow participants at North Cross, not spectators. Now, as we think about that, what's interesting is this is something that Paul, a pastor in the first century, wrote to some Christians and to a Christian congregation in the first century in a town called Ephesus. He wrote to them about what God's plan was for the church and for the people who make up the church. So Ephesians chapter 4, let's begin with verse 11. Paul starts this way. Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors, and teachers. Now, I could spend probably about 20 minutes unpacking each of these words. We don't have time for that today. But what I want you to remember, what's important to remember, is that all of these words in yellow are titles for people back in the first century who are looked upon to be called workers in the church. In our vernacular, it's the church staff, the people who are that their profession is to work in the church, in the public ministry. We could say it this way, God gave lead pastors and discipleship pastors and children's ministry directors and worship art directors and maybe even office managers, I I love Shelley, Um, but the people who are employed by the church, the public ministry, God gave them There is so much that could be said after that word, too. God has called me to do baptisms and to give communion and to teach God's word and to preach God's word and to do that on Sunday morning and to do that privately in someone's home or at the hospital and on and on and on. But none of those things, that serving the congregation, the serving of the church is what Paul says next. Here's what he does say He gave these people to equip, that means to train his people. Guess who that is? You, for work, works of service. You service teams, bar the doors. We're we're talking about needing to do work if you're a part of a church. Equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ, that's a reference to the entire church, that the body of Christ may be built up, that it may grow. You see, I'm not the church. I'm part of the church, but I'm not the church. Pastor Matt is not the church. He's part of it. Danny is not the church. He's part of it. I'm looking at the church. We are the church. We are North Cross. We are God's people, God's family, Christ's body here on earth. And in order for us to be the body of Christ, all of us, Every part of the body needs to be working and being a part of things and using the gifts that God has given them, and our role is to equip you. I did a a word search on uh, equip um, this week, and uh, the word in the Greek is katartidzo. That's just kind of fun to say, and it's not katartidzo. you'd have the accent on the wrong syllable, it's got to be katartidzo if you're trying to say that in the car on the way home. And what that means, yeah, in part is equip, but the root behind it, the meaning underneath it, get this, it's pretty amazing, and I don't know how much of a word study I've done on this before this week, it means to help someone reach their full potential, is the root behind that word. To help someone reach completion. It's to help people become who God created them to be. And that does not happen without getting out there and doing works of service. Being a part of the church. Using the amazing gifts that God has given you. Um, Our second fill-in is this. God wants you to be all in. This is the first step, coming to church on Sunday. But just coming at church on Sunday is not all in. When we are being served and then we go out and serve, when we're being fed and then we go out and make a difference, that's all in. It takes both sides of it. When we're not just a spectator, but we're a participant, when we're not just a consumer, but we are a partner, And the other thing I want to make really clear today is that this doesn't just happen when you join a team at North Cross or when you're on some sort of committee. This being all in and being who God created you to be as the body of Christ happens all the time, or should, and everywhere you go. It happens at work. When... You could fight a hurt that someone had towards you with another hurt, but instead you choose to forgive. When you hold short accounts and you bring joy to the office instead of pessimism, it's seeing business people in integrity where the bottom line for you, is not going to be the bottom line. But instead, there's a higher standard that God has called you to in how you work and how you act, even in the business world. Young people, you're being the body of Christ in the way you act at school. When you see someone at lunch, especially you middle school and high schoolers who have no one to sit with, and even though it's not the cool thing to do, you either go and sit with them or you invite them to sit with you. It, it's how you treat the teacher that no one really likes. And you may not either, but you're not going to join in the gossip or join in being very difficult for that teacher. We are the body of Christ in how we act and in what we do in the neighborhood and at the PTA. And watching our kids' sports games, even when the ref doesn't seem to be on our side. You are the body of Christ wherever you go. And we have an amazing opportunity to make a difference in not just what we say, but also in how we live, and how we act, and how we react. Verse 13, to equip his people, that's why God gave church workers, for works of service so that the body of Christ, that's the church, may be built up or may get better, may grow until we all reach unity in the faith. We're, we're growing to not be divisive. We're growing to be a body that works together well, even if we don't always think the same way about things that are not directed by God's word. And in the knowledge of the Son of God, and to become mature, we're going to come back to that, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, any of you reached this yet? Okay, you have some maturity to happen yet. This side of heaven, we will never attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We are always maturing. There's always room to grow. And not only here, but in other places of Scripture, Paul uses this idea in our faith life of growing into maturity did your mom ever tell you grow up okay here's what's worse did your wife ever tell you grow up (laughs) you see we need to grow into maturity there are certain things that kids do that are so cute and adorable but if an adult did it it would be weird Like, if you brought a child to church service, which we love to have kids in church, by the way, if you did and they're getting a little bit fussy, mom, because dad would never think of it, mom, unless he was reminded by mom, mom might bring a pacifier and their favorite blankie in her purse or diaper bag, and that blankie and pacifier just helps that baby snuggle and cuddle and be calm. If your wife took that out for you husbands, I mean, that would be really weird, right? Of course. Or how about first birthday parties? Kids, birthday cakes. It's the cutest thing when they put their face in the cake and grab it and throw it at grandma. (laughs) At your next birthday, if you did that and you're not one year old, that would be weird and they won't be coming back to your party probably. You see what Matt did? He threw cake at his birthday party, you know? We need to grow into maturity and I use some, some... Obvious examples because it is obvious that we need to mature. What Paul is saying is that a step into maturity is getting out of the seats, out of the arena, and getting into the game is stopping to just be spectators in the life of God, whether that be at your church you go to or in your work or at your school or wherever you might be, and to start living out what God has designed to give you. In fact, one of the things I think that's really important um, that I kind of had a misconception about, I think, growing up is that maturity in life is not just about the knowing, It's also about the doing. Uh, Matt may know that he shouldn't throw birthday cake at his relatives, even the ones you don't like. But just knowing it doesn't mean he's mature. Not doing it shows maturity. The same is true with faith. I grew up in some ways, and my dad never said this to me specifically or my mom, but I just think I just came to this thinking that if, if I could quote a passage for anything or everything that people are going through, that in the ability to know stuff and to quote a passage, that in that of itself that I'm mature in my faith. And I'm not at all downplaying the growth in knowing. It's part of maturity, but it's not the end goal of maturity. Maturity is knowing and then doing. Here's how Jesus' half-brother James wrote about, or stepbrother um, In James chapter 1, he wrote, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Like, deceive yourself thinking, that's enough. I was there in church on Sunday. I nodded my head when pastor said something good. Don't just merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Apply it. Have you ever been to North Cross or Bethlehem and you heard a message that just hit your heart? And you're like, that makes so much sense. And your head's nodding, or your heart is, and then you leave this place, and by the time you grab your coffee on the way out, you've kind of forgotten it. Now, let me just say this. If, that, if you think that's never happened to you, you're lying, because it's happened to all of us. It's happened to me as well, of course. But can I make an analogy? Here's what that's like, that you're on a football team, and you get into the huddle, and the coach sends in the play, the quarterback calls it, and you're all huddled around, and you're like, wow, that's the perfect play. I know what defense they're going to be running, and that is the absolute perfect play. Great call, coach, and you break the huddle, and then everyone goes to sit down on the bench. And you get a delay of game, of course. So you come back out. Now you're five yards further away. Five-yard penalty? five yards. You huddle up. Coach calls another play. Oh, my goodness, this guy is good. What a play. I love it. I love it. Good job, coach. Break and go sit down. (laughs) It doesn't work unless you play it, until you do it, because we grow into maturity. It's applying, not perfectly, we'll never be perfect, but it's applying what we're hearing and what we're reading. And that it's not just head nods on Sunday or when we're reading our Bibles, but that we're applying maybe one thing each month or one thing each week. Here's how he continues, verse 14. Then... As we grow into maturity, we will no longer be infants. Who wants to be called an infant their entire life? Tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Knowing is definitely a part of maturity. And the more we know, the more we apply, the less that outside influences will toss us around in our faith or even, you know, experiences, difficult ones that we go through. It won't be as devastating to our faith as we grow into maturity. Verse 15. Instead, in contrast, speaking the truth in love, seeing someone using the works of service, the, their, their sharing grace, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. And I love how Paul never leaves this body imagery so far away from Christ because without Christ, there is no life. Without Christ, there is no body. Without the head, the body dies. Without Jesus, we all might as well just go home and sleep in on Sunday mornings. But with him, we have amazing purpose, amazing opportunities, amazing perspective, and amazing forgiveness when we mess up. Because of what Christ has done on the cross, we've been given a new opportunity for eternity. But also for today, right now, when we go home, at church, in our neighborhoods so as we grow verse 16 from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work in order for the body to work all the parts need to be working well need to be acting When I was a teenager and even a little younger than that, one of the things that I had problems with um, was ingrown toenails on my big toes. So if I wasn't diligent in not just cutting my toenails but getting a little bit gross, I had to like use the end of the clipper and kind of pull out my toenail from the skin. If I didn't do that, it would get really red and eventually it could get infected. And you would think, Of all the parts of my body, and I got hands and eyes and all this stuff, that it's just like this little part of my big toes' toenail shouldn't make a difference. But when I tried playing basketball when I was a kid, with just that little part infected or hurt, I couldn't cut like I wanted, I couldn't slide on defense, it really hurt the entire body. Just a small little piece. You see what I'm saying? You just have one little ache, one little thing in your body not working right. It can mess up the whole thing. That's what Paul's talking about. And so, number three, God wants all of you to be in. God wants you to be all in, and God wants all of us collectively to be in. Every gift is important, every talent is needed, every person plays a role and a part. In fact, uh, leading up to this section, uh, Paul was writing this whole section about gifts and the body of Christ, and this this verse has so much to say. It's uh, Ephesians 4, verse 7, so I'm just rewinding a little bit. Paul writes, but to each one of us, each one of you Ephesians, each one of you North Crossers, I don't know what it is, but to each one of us, grace, that is not forgiveness here in context, but the grace of undeserved gifts, undeserved talents. Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. First thing I want you to remember, you've been given gifts. Every single one of you has been given something. Some of you, when you're in the room, my good friend Tim Peterson was like this, when you're in the room, it's hard to ignore that he's there. He just, crins like this, he just lights up the room. You know, that's a gift, that's a talent. For some of you, we may not know you're in the room. And that's okay, you don't want us to know. And yet you have this amazing gift of looking around and seeing what person maybe needs a hello or no one's talking to. Some of you are great talkers. And you should be up here and I should give you the headset, okay? Others of you would not talk in front of people if the, you know, your life depended on it, but you can listen like none other. Some of you, like my daughter, very artsy, and you can use um, you know, computer programs or your free hand or maybe art and music and just create things that are beautiful. Some of you can't draw stick men, <laughs> but you can fix things. Something's broken, you'll figure it out. You know how things work. Some of you are super organized. I like those people. Others of you are not, but you have empathy to the nth degree. And on and on and on. The thing is, so many of us don't recognize what our gift is. Let me just say this. You owe it to the rest of your life to figure it out. If you don't know what gifts you have, ask someone who's close to you. Or better yet, Carrie and I and um, our whole staff a couple years ago took strengths finders. There are these different types of evaluations out there that just, none of them are perfect, none of them are God-ordained, but they just help you better understand who you are and, and why you act the way you do and where those gifts are and are coming from. Okay? You've been given gifts, though. Next thing. But to each one of us, grace, undeserved gifts have been given as Christ apportioned it. God gave it. Here's what we're learning. Next slide. You've been divinely designed. It's very natural to see and receive a gift at Christmas and then to look over to see if it's better than what your brother got. And if it's not, or at least not equal, we have problems, right? There's something in us It's not fair. The thing is, we do that so often with how God created us. You're amazingly gifted, and yet you don't feel that way because you're comparing yourself to other people who maybe have one little sliver of giftedness that might be what you want, but they don't have the entire package that you have. If you're a nose, smell, but don't try seeing. We'll see too much. (laughs) If your eyes, see, but don't try hearing with your eyes. And we get that with body parts. We're not going to try to talk with our ears. And I got big ones, by the way. We're not going to try to talk with our ears, are we? And we don't feel like our ears should talk. It's okay, ear. You just hear. And yet we, who have been gifted in a certain way, we're not content and we're trying to be something else. And I'm not saying don't stretch yourself. I'm just saying, thank God for how you're created. And so use your gifts out there, mostly. We don't want you here all the time. God doesn't either. But there's also going to be an opportunity to use them here. And I'd like to close quick just talking about that. So have you ever gone to a restaurant, and uh, when you walked in the front door, the uh, attendant or the, um, the person at the, the front door says, Hey, Man, we're so glad you're here. You see, a waitress didn't show up tonight, and uh, we'd love it for you to. um, We're going to train you quick, and we're going to have you work. (laughs) Yeah, that does never happen because when you go to a restaurant, what do you expect? To be served, to be seated, to be catered to. North Cross is not a restaurant, it's a family reunion. If Uncle Fred and Aunt Margaret has to do all the food and all the setup and all the takedown, Uncle Fred and Aunt Margaret are going to have a problem, (laughs) and it's not going to be a fun reunion. But that's not what happens at family reunions, is it? Everybody brings something, and when the tables aren't set up, we set them up. And when the chairs need to be put into place or put away, we do it. Why? Because we're family. That's church. It's a family reunion. And so my question is this, last one, are you all in? And you notice like all three have the same two words, which I was kind of proud of myself. Probably should have mentioned that after the sermon because it's, now it's just awkward. But are you, are you all in? Are you all in? <laughs> I was reading a book this week, and here's how the author put it. He, he asked the question of his church. Is the church growing with you or because of you, Or is the church growing around you? (laughs) And during some seasons, maybe it's a little bit of both. But over the long haul, the church should be growing, not around you, but with you and because of you. I want you to recognize something. In the 40-plus year history of Bethlehem North Cross, there has never been a time or a season where we've had more opportunity than we do right now. That our ministry is not this building, but that this building has provided an opportunity for people are curious about us. Maybe that's, maybe that's you, your story today, and want to know what we're about and why we gather and what our heart is all about. And with opportunity becomes responsibility. We need you. <laughs> and there are opportunities, no matter your age, no matter your giftedness. If there's something on the sheet that doesn't seem to hit you, just try it, like Matt said and we'll get you in the right spot eventually. (laughs) Or write down what you'd like to do. Don't check any boxes. Let us know. Ask some questions at the table. But we would love it to partner with you, the body of Christ, as we together share timeless truth in a timely way. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray for your guidance and direction on all the attenders here today at North Cross if it's a first-time guest or a long-time attender or anyone in between, there could be a place for them here. I know there is. And I just ask you to direct them to maybe for the first time, take that step out of the seat, out of the arena and out of the playing field and help give them confidence knowing that they have gifts to give. We have an awesome opportunity to make an impact community and in our world. I pray for your hand of blessing and guidance upon everyone in this room and on our ministry. In Jesus' name.